And we have returned. Welcome back, everyone, to True Crime Fridays. I am so sorry that we were not here last week. I am very sorry about that. But I had a lot of personal things going on in my life that I kind of wish wouldn't have happened. But lo and behold, they fucking did. And Matt had a very similar situation, ironically. So we were not mentally fit to record the podcast. I fucking was not. Um, So that's why there was no episode last week. We needed the time to kind of just not deal with shit. (laughs) Whilst also having to deal with a lot of shit. So that's the reason why. Anyway, this is a brand new episode and we're it's a brand new week, which means you got a new disclaimer-ish. They're all kind of the same, aren't they? Well, hmm. This episode will feature talks of kidnapping, torture, imprisonment, rape, sexual assault that many people may find upsetting and or disturbing. And there is also kind of... The mention of... Why have I forgotten the name of this thing? Uh, Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, sorry, I forgot the name of it. I forgot what it was called for a second there. Yeah, it's, there will also be mentions of Stockholm Syndrome. And, if you, and also claustrophobia. I If you are claustrophobic, you will fucking hate this episode. Uh, maybe. You might be okay. Uh, but I'm going to warn you anyway. There is mentions that of things of be, that being... Contained in a small space. So, uh, yeah, if you get affected by any of those things, this may not be the episode for you, but we do have some lighter-hearted episodes, believe it or not. Uh, So you want to go check one of those out. This is a shorter episode, because there's not too much info on this shit. So, yeah. Uh, Welcome back. Hola. Hello. Way. We have Way. Re- We have returned. Am I glad to hear your voice? <laughs> yes, I am. It's glad to see that we're both not dead. <laughs> well, out on the outside, we're dead inside. I mean, if you're listening to this way in the future, then we might be. I can't. But we can't. In the predict- present. Yeah, we can't predict the future. So we we. Eh. I'm not. We we could be dead next week for all we. I'm not right. Don't matter. <laughs> but we are here. We uh, are back after there not being an episode for a week. Uh yeah. I explained in the disclaimer, but yeah, there was a lot of shit going on, and uh, we were not. If you were well, there's a message on Instagram. We had to at least say. Yeah, we put out we put out something to say why uh, there wasn't an episode, but uh, I feel like we wouldn't have been able to give a decent episode. No, and everyone I um, can imagine will be understanding, but, I, I, you know, I was the same as Lauren. I was like, you know, we could do an episode, but we don't want to do an episode and not feel like we were giving it our all, and then you guys would listen, and it you'd feel, you could feel it yourselves or hear it yourselves that it wasn't 100%. Yeah, like, I've had to be around people a lot last week like that sounds like i was mentally fine i wasn't i was basically being around people to distract my shitty brain so uh whenever yeah. i would leave said people and be on my own at home because my i'm currently home alone uh that i shouldn't be saying that but no one knows where i live hopefully not anyway um whenever i, I would be home 
they would plummet again. I'd be like, right, I need to go home and possibly get ready for the podcast. And I'd get home and I'd be like, ugh. Like, reality sinks again and then you just can't. And then that's just... Whereas, past couple of days, I've been a lot better. Yeah, but uh, people listening can probably relate. Um, you know, we do this podcast and we do talk about Jude Ryan, but we also do talk about stuff on a personal level. You know, yes. it's we're not some, like, robots just, like, focused on this and no human expression or anything so you guys will have some of you listening might have had the same experience and totally understand this so thanks for uh being understanding but we're back now we're giving it all for whatever today's episode is on yeah, but um yeah you, we've kept you waiting but the the way will be worth it i hope i've got no idea as usual what the hell is going to be talked so, about but yeah it's not a long episode because weirdly enough there is not too much information about these people's uh, personal lives uh lives before Ooh. everything happened but it's a very famous case It's a very famous case and um it's fucking baffling and it's very very it's it's insane it's an insane case um so this one this case is mostly known as the girl in the box girl in the box yeah it's mostly known as the girl in the box um the victim in question is a woman called colleen stan but the actual case itself and most and most people in pop culture tend to remember it by is the girl in the box i mean i know man in a box but that's completely a different thing yeah so girl in the box uh, so yeah, this uh, case is about Colleen J. Stan, who was, who is a woman who was kidnapped and held as a sex slave by Cameron and Janice Hooker in California for seven years, and um, she was kept in a box. In a box. Yeah. Oh might know this this case. this does this case well, i don't know if you're gonna explain it but i do know this case yeah because there was a band that you know that wrote a song about this for their first album which i which pretty sure it didn't i'm pretty sure it didn't make it do you not know no slipknot Oh, they're about fucking right isn't it? the first album the song uh purity which I don't think. Oh, um, yes, Purity was omitted from the uh, reissue along with Frail Limb Nursery. But yes, Purity, that's the one I know. Oh. They wrote it about that. Yeah. So I do know this, but I did. I know the name of the case, but I don't know the full details. But I just know it from research, music-wise. So. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, it's a very horrific case. I think. What day did I? There was some point definitely wasn't last week might have been the week before i was just i, I watched um the movie on it because there is a movie on this that only came out a few years ago actually uh it was all right um i've got I've, I've got a few issues with it which i will talk about at the end of this um case after we go through everything um okay you... there's more stuff that i'm seeing here that's based on this case that i know about but didn't know it was this thing so that's... yeah you're gonna be it's one of those cases i remember first hearing about this case um i was weirdly just scrolling through uh facebook one day and it pops up off quite often as one of those weird articles that doesn't seem like it's from a legit 
um, like publishing company from an actual website. It feels like it's fake, but it always pops up every now and again. Like the tale of the girl who spent seven years in a box, and like you don't really. I remember that's how I found out about it, and then I googled it properly, and turns out it's real and it's a fucking huge thing that happened. Well, actually, that piece of information I'm reading, I don't know if that actually does relate to this, because for some reason it says the main plot of the American documentary-style horror film The Poughkeepsie Tapes, which I know about, was based on this case, but I didn't think that film was based on this, but... The more you know, it seems that a lot of things I know about are based on things, and I had no idea, so this will be actually interesting to find out what the actual story is. Yeah, so... Colleen J. Stan was born on the 31st of December 1956 and yeah, she was kidnapped by Cameron and Janice Hooker. Now, when she was growing up, she was a very well-behaved child. There's nothing wrong, Colleen. I just want to point this out. Nothing, she didn't do anything, but uh, she was very well-behaved and she was re- and she was raised in a very religious household. Now, when she was very young, around the time, about 17, 18, she had gotten married to her high school sweetheart, but this relationship didn't work out and within less than a year, they had gotten divorced she had moved back home and she just started to work on herself and be herself quite a fair bit like try and figure out she's still like in with the whole religious aspect that her family had but she was being more herself and not abiding by her husband basically um so she it got to the point where she was like very adventurous as well so she hitchhiked a lot she hitchhiked, she hitchhiked quite a fair bit. So she became like an expert at it. So she knew what cars she shouldn't get into and which cars she should get into. Just want to point out, hitchhiking is never a good idea regardless. But around this point, uh, when she's around about 18 or so, she's it's in the 70s. It's literally a normal, it's, it's normal at that point. Like everyone's hitchhiking. So it's not that everyone, everyone else is doing it. So, but this was a thing then. Now, uh, Cameron Hooker, who is the main person about this, so we're going to go in through. We're going to go through Colleen, Cameron, and Janice because they're the three main people that we're going to be talking about with this whole thing. Can I just say what a last name, eh? Hooker. Oh God, yeah, no. no not blessed with a nice last name, are they? Nope. So Cameron Hooker was born in Alturas, California, on the fifth of November, nineteen fifty-three. Uh, his family moved quite often during his childhood and they didn't actually settle until they did in 1969 in Red Bluff, California, when he was around about the age of 16. Now, in 1972, Cameron graduated from high school and began to work at a local lumber mill. And around this time, like during his teenage years, like, like most young boys, sexuality starts to develop. You start to... to focus on girls a lot more or boys whatever but he was focusing on girls way more and he started to realize his fantasies now he has very messed up fantasies (laughs) as to be expected well there's gotta be people in this world that push the fantasies to extreme limits so so one thing i also want to say before we go into cameron's fantasies I'm not gonna... I'm gonna say this straight up. He is the worst representation of what is BDSM. Because he says it's BDSM, 
It's fucking not. And the BDSM community will 100% agree because they're very, very, very high on consent in the BDSM community. Cameron, not. I mean, I don't know anything about BDSM. Oh, I know some things. Um, I don't perform any BDSM if anyone thinks that, but I would have assumed, like you said, that if you wanted to do that stuff, the other person would have consented because I feel like that's torture. It's not, I mean, I've it's seen not, a... It's not torture. It's, um... I mean, it's not really... It's, you can't really class it as torture if... Well, if someone didn't all, consent, is it? If they, didn't, if they don't consent, then yes, it's torture. If they That's do, what I'm meaning. Like, yeah. if they don't consent, it's torture. That's what I was meaning. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know media is not technically torture, but if someone doesn't consent, then it is torture. But if the two people do oh. consent... Then it's then just them having some that's fun. That's fine. And... Yeah, like the the BDSM community is very high in consent, safe words, all this kind of stuff to make sure everyone involved is having a a good time and they're all agreeing and everyone is willing and everyone's just fine and everyone's safe, which is completely fine and do whatever the fuck you want, love it. But um, Cameron was the opposite. He was into the tor- he was not he was into like the play aspects of things with it. But he didn't want a willing participant, which is completely against everything that the community stands for. And he his, he realized that he got sexual pleasure out of his partners being in pain. And like, even if they did consent, he wanted it to get to the point where they're in actual agony and it's only based on what he wants and he wants only and nothing to do with what they also want and that's, that's not how... normal no no that's so yeah and he would do this quite a lot with quite a lot of women now janice was born in 1958 we're not too sure in the day like no one really knows um it's not really publicly known she had a pretty abusive childhood, to say the very least. Her parents often ignored her throughout her childhood, so they just acted like she wasn't there, they didn't really care. And they were extremely strict and often abused her. There were rumours of sexual abuse as well from various family members, and some of them possibly being her own parents. Not 100% confirmed, but there is, like, that is apparently a big factor, and is the abuse that she suffers is a a lot of psychologists think is the reasoning to how she goes on to be with Cameron because obviously if you don't know Cameron and Janice are not related (laughs) Uh, that's the key thing so yeah her parents didn't care about her and they really just ignored her to every extent they neglected her 100% and they had this weird rule that she wasn't allowed to date anyone, even when she was like a teenager, when people tend to start dating or something like that. But they're like, you can never have a boyfriend, you can never be with anyone, which led me to believe that the sexual abuse rumors might have been possibly true because if they're being that possessive over something so meh. They were also very religious as well, but at the same time, it's like, that's not normal behavior. Normally it's like, you can date, but under our conditions and there's no sex till marriage kind of thing. Like that kind of usual stuff, they were like nothing, no one, nah, and they were very much fixated on that. But this changed, 
And like, yes, yeah, so this eventually changed when they met Cameron. Now, the issue with this, and what makes it even weirder for me, is that when Cameron and Janice had met, Janice was 15 and Cameron was 21. Which is not bit, good. It's dodgy, isn't it? A little bit. We always talk about age gaps, though, but it's... Oh, 15 just... and 21's different. It's a very, like... If they were, like... If they were six years apart in their 20s, go for it. 30s, yeah. go for it. Like... But 15 and 21 should not ever go together. Yeah, I mean, even when you speak to people, you know, who are about that age, if you're just speaking to someone, there's like a clear difference on someone like, who is like an adult and someone who is a teen and the way they act. You sound like you're talking to a child, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to demonstrate as a teen, but like if I was speaking to someone that was a teen now, yeah. there is that part of me like... I know I'm not going to be speaking to someone who's an adult and it will be different. Everyone's human, but you know when you like speak to a child or like yeah. speak to a baby, it's the same thing there. Even when even like relationships where they do this age gap, it's like this person's a teen. Their mindset is totally different from your mindset as an adult and you will definitely think differently. And I know, you know, at 15, you're developed enough that you're, you know, not like a fucking sexual child, but there's still that difference, and I'm like, that's why you should never do it like that because it just goes in all sorts of fucked up directions. It's because also probably mostly due to part of the older person. It's also illegal as fuck. Well, yes, that's the main thing. It's always <laughs> the older people that just do this, and then it's like, no, and then yeah. the, the, the teens. It's weird because I always are, see that. Kids are stupid. Uh, and the well, teens always just get swept with it. That's what. Because, like, because at that age, you're. There's all people who are older who are predators like this, they know how to manipulate someone who is younger by using the same fucking sentence, which is, You're really mature for your age. You're not. No, you're not. I'm going to say this to everyone uh. here. I'm going to say this to everyone here right now. I'm going to say this so fucking loud. Right. If you, if anyone who is a teenager and you are listening to this freaking podcast or anyone who's a bit older and they might, and they might have dated someone a lot older than them when they were in their teens and it's not, you've not realized how wrong that was yet. If that person ever looked at you and said these few sentences, you're very mature for your age. I can't have conversations like this with my with my friends who are my age. Wow, you're such a great person to talk to. It's mad that you're like that. You, that you're just so young. You just don't act like it. They are a pedophile. They are a predator. Get the fuck away from them. They are not there to be your friend. They are there to prey on you and groom you, and they're making you think that you're way more mature than you actually are, which you are not. You are a child. You are a teenager. You are literally not an adult yet, no matter how much you think you are. they You are not in the wrong in this situation. They are. Get away from them. You will thank me later. Yeah, don't big anyone up. You know, the phrase they, they say, you're never too old to do anything. Age is just a number. It, th th that makes sense and you're never old because as you get older and you're past and you're actually an adult, there's not as much things where it's like fucked up. So like, you know, they say that as if you're in your 60s, like, well, you could still do something that you could have done in your 30s, 40s, tw 20s, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. age doesn't do that. But when someone's like a teenager and you pick them up saying, oh, you, you're you like so mature, you're acting as if you're this age, like they're 
much older than they are. It's just I know because you'll big someone up to make them think, ah, yeah, I'm practically a fucking adult now. And it's like, no, you need to actually hit that age and have the reality hit you that you are an adult for you to then be like, okay, I am an adult and I can do the adult things. Making someone think they're like an adult in their teenage years is never good because I've seen, even from a couple of my friends, someone say, you know, acting like they're that age and then it gets them into trouble when they do hit that age. I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. You thought you were fucking like that years ago. No. Rally hit you hard. But just don't do that. Yep. Don't big anyone up. So, Especially when they're younger. Yeah. So, like, yeah, she was 15 and he was 21 when they first met. And when Janice introduced her parents to Cameron. Now, the, now this is weird because Janice was obviously 100% aware that she's not allowed to date anyone. But her parents met Cameron, and her parents loved him. Wonder why. Um, it got to the point that when Janice turned 16, her parents allowed her to marry Cameron. When she was 16. Because the law, in some states, and actually in the UK, you can get married with parental permission. I mean... Which I don't agree with. Well, here's the thing. If you marry at such a young age, and especially when I've seen people have kids at such a young age, if you're not ready for it, it'll just collapse. What you think is great at the start. Now, in some cases, for some people, it might work, and they'll have a very, very long and healthy relationship. For, For a lot of people I see, they go to it too quickly, and it all falls apart, and then you've got more issues to deal with than you would have had if you just waited and thought right i won't because i'm not married and you're not married and i felt and you know i'm not having kids doing all this stuff and it's not and people could say like well you're not getting anyone where to do that but if i did have a girlfriend the last thing would be right now is marrying or having kids because i'm like well i'm not sure if it's stable enough that it would work yeah so that i wouldn't have any issues of we fall out you know the child goes with her or the marriage divorce papers blah 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 is why I think when people do it so young and they think it's a great idea, I'll do it now, and then it all comes crumbling down and they've got more issues piled on top of them while they're also trying to progress into adulthood and deal with the reality of being an adult. And then it just fucking, it, the, you know, crash, crash, boom, comes down. Yeah, so the, now the abuse that Janice got from her parents, she got used to it because she's had that her entire life. She got used to the abuse and it made her adapt to it when it came to being away from her family. So people would treat Janice like shit and she would see it as a normal thing and she has to act a certain way in order to make them happy and she became adapted to it. So with Cameron, it it just carried on into her marriage, this kind of behaviour. And with Cameron, she immediately was submissive and offered no resistance when Cameron called her a whore and beat beat her and all this kind of stuff and treated her absolutely horrifically. She just had no resistance to it because to her, it was normal. And it even just became submissive to... She was even submissive when it came to introducing her to bondage and sadomasochism. And at one point, there was a time where he even almost drowned her whilst they were having sex. Drowned whilst having sex? Why were they fucking having sex in the ocean? People do that. 
Well, well, yeah, I know people who have sex in the sex in the sorry. No, I'm laughing. I just think it's a weird place to want to have sex. It's a very weird. Like, the... Imagine if, imagine if you're just swimming about in the ocean and you just pass someone, he's getting fucking rimmed. Oh. What the fuck? But like, if I'm you seeing know, anyone getting rimmed in the ocean, I swear to God, I'm questioning their fucking life choices. Fucking the sharks! Fucking Brucey in the fucking ocean. Going, what the fuck's going on? But like. I, you know, I, I, I don't know why, you know, at a point like that, she didn't stop and think, holy fuck, I was nearly drowned by this person. I need to get away. What is, it's because she was married to him, and he, sometimes he was nice oh. to her. Sometimes, oh, it's the niceness that brings them back. You know, when people uh-huh, just are nice. They switch it right oh. back, kind of thing. It's a very, you ch- it's And a you tragic. fall into it. You fall into that trap of yep. just like, you know... I I'm I've I've not had it as worse some people have but you know they do, you know it gets documented all the time but it's just such a little trap because your feelings can get tripped at the slightest thing so the slightest bit of niceness you think ah oh, it's okay but then it lapses back and it's this looping cycle and it's just you know you yeah. need to break the chain and it's so hard to break the chain um as Fleetwood Mac said you will never break the chain but I'm just um but it is really hard so. Now, at one point, Janice did get pregnant. Okay? And, uh, no, sorry, I've, I've skipped a bit. She does eventually get pregnant, but, uh, sorry. Uh, apparently, according to Janice, on their, their first ever date, he hung her from a tree by her wrists and peed on her. Ah. That was on their a, first on a, on a date. That was their first date. <sighs> I mean, what a fucking the oh lord! What a day! I mean, like, you know when people like uh, go up to couples. Oh, so um, how did you meet? Yeah, what was your first date like? I got peed on. And hung by a tree. And hung and hung in a tree. Like what? That's not a date. That's just that's just fucking creepy. Yeah. So one of Cameron's favorite games to. Games in quotes uh, was to hang Janice by her wrists, completely nude, and hit her several times with a bullwhip. A lot of the times, she was not willing to do this. She was; it was not completely consensual. Um, yeah. So they, so they're married. Their date, the day that they got married, was on the eighteenth of January, nineteen seventy-five, and even when they got married. Cameron had this plan in his head and um, the plan was basically and he informed Janice of this was that he wanted to abduct a stranger and force a stranger into sexual slavery now Janice wanted to have a baby with Cameron and didn't want to go through his sex games any longer so she agreed for him to have his own sex slave if she could become a mother and no longer deal with his needs but despite him agreeing to this, when Janice was pregnant, he would still hang her by her wrists and whip her regardless. Now, one of now Janice had a few rules if Cameron wanted to go with his idea. And this was that Cameron could only whip his slave and he couldn't so that he couldn't do this to Janice anymore. But he could, he would only have 
penetrative sex with Janice. So he couldn't have technically sex with the person that he would kidnap because Janice's way of saying this was that I'm your wife, you should be doing that with me, not with her. I don't want you doing that with her. And uh, this would be a rule that he would obviously eventually break and it wouldn't be consensual either. I don't know what the fuck is going on to the fact that this man had this planned. Yeah. That, that... (laughs) You fucked up when you plan something... Sorry for that P, that's quite plosive. Um, you know, like, when we plan, you plan something and it's a good thing uh-huh. in advance, that's fine. Yeah. When you plan a fucked up act in advance, it's like, Jesus. I know a lot of people do stuff just in the moment, but I think it's more fucked when they plan it way in advance because it's that time, that ticking time bomb before they then go and do it. And then also, he can only whip the slave. I mean, saying that, is is bad enough in itself the fact he he wants someone to do that with um and she's it's that's a weird like agreement thing of like have the child you could have the slave um you can only whip them uh you can't do any of this stuff do with me you know that's such a like a weird conversation and and the fact that that was like a thing it's like well you can have this fucked up thing we only doing that thing to the that, and I'm gonna have a child if you can have that. You know, it's not it's not like those everyday occurrences of like, well, what's for tea? Well, you know what? You can have that, and I'll have the leftovers. Okay, well, this well, is like wait, another fucked level. Sec. My freaking mic is getting hooked everywhere. Like I've tried to move my chair back a bit, so sorry everyone if you could hear that for a second. Just fucking the wire got caught. Oh, the wire got caught. But I just think this is uh, so fucked, like, bal- you know, like, e- either or balancing outcomes situation. It's like, fucking hell. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's massively fucked. What? I like, mean, there's there's no good outcomes coming out of this either way. So, on the like, na- yeah, the, the, <laughs> well, we'll go into it. On the 19th of May, 1977, Colleen Stan was hitchhiking from her home in Eugene, Oregon, to a friend's home in Northern California. When she was, so she was heading there for a birthday party. She was going to surprise her friend. It's going to be a whole big thing. Like her friend had no idea she was coming for her birthday. Like it was going to be a whole thing. She hadn't seen a friend since um, she lived there when she was married. Uh, so this is a big deal. Uh, Colleen had already hitchhiked to get where she to get to where she was at this point, so she was like on the middle of a road where her last um, trip, where her last driver managed to drop her off as far as they could take her. So she was trying to get another ride to get the rest of the way. And she had turned down a couple of other cars um, because she didn't feel comfortable. The vibe wasn't right for her, and one of the cars she said was a car full of grown like men frat boys in a way i think she caught i think she said so she didn't feel safe getting in the car now when cameron hooker pulled up on the side of the road she accepted the ride because janice was in the passenger seat holding their newborn baby so he gave her instant reassurance so they did the myra hinley and brady thing of like having the woman and the baby in the car to make it look like nothing's nothing could go wrong it's a woman and a baby nothing could go bad here yeah Col- but i mean it, it it just proves that 
you know, yeah. it may look how happy, but, oh, you yeah. know, and they can't trust anyone these days. No. So Colleen stated that she was an experienced hitchhiker and had allowed two rides to go past before accepting the ride with the hookers. When they stopped at a gas station along the way, Colleen went to use the toilet and, and she said, a voice in my head told me to run and jump out a window and never look back. But she ignored her fears and went back to the car. And apparently before getting to the gas station, Cameron was like obviously staring at her. You know when people just do the odd glance, whatever. He was like staring at her through the rearview mirror. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. Now Cameron mentioned that there was something that himself and Janice were on their way to see with their baby before they were, before they picked up Colleen, and it was something like a, it was like a touristy spot. Like in America, they had on their like de- de- like desert roads, they have often quite like biggest something or something that you might want to go see. And they said it was something like that, and this was something that Colleen was actually kind of interested in. So she was like, "Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's fine. We can make that stop." But she was also she did also say to Cameron, "Oh, I do actually really need to get. I really kind of wanted to get to California before um, it gets dark, though." And he asked her, oh, "Okay, like, what, like, who are you going? To, what time is the person? You, what time is your friend expecting you to get there?" And Colleen said, "Oh, she doesn't know. I'm actually coming. It's a surprise," which is probably what she shouldn't have said. Yeah, that because then that's that sign for them to be like, well, the yeah. person she's meeting doesn't know, so they're not going to be worrying. Oh, why have they not turned up? Where are they? Yeah, I mean they didn't think about her parents being like, oh yeah, Colleen's gone to a friend's house. They didn't think of that, but yeah. So according to Colleen and Janice's testimonies, Cameron pulled off into the pulled off the highway and put a knife to Colleen's th- throat when they were alone in an isolated area because Janice and the baby had gone out and walked a bit further away from the car. Now, she was then locked in a wooden head box. Uh, this is a box that she noticed when she got back into the car was in the seat next to her at the gas station. She thought it was weird, but she didn't ask about it. Now, this box was literally what it says. It's a box on her head that was locked and the box was designed to prevent light, sound, and fresh air from coming in. No, even fresh air. It was like she said she struggled to breathe, like she could breathe, but at times it was quite a bit of struggle and it would cause a bit of pain. Oh, but God. But she could breathe. It was like enough for her to breathe, but at the same time, it wasn't like a giant air hole like in front of her. You get what I mean? Yeah. So. The hookers would drive back to their two-door Dodge uh, cult around Northern California, looking for young women suitable to be turned to sex slaves. This, is, this was their like motive that they had. And yeah, they'd have Janice sign the passenger seat to give like reassurance and stuff like that, which obviously now they've got Colleen, clearly worked. Because Cameron had done this a couple times where he'd like try and pick up women on his own, and it hadn't worked. So he thought, get my wife in, get my get my daughter in, that will definitely work. So the hookers drove back to their home and this was like, um, this at their time, this, this at the time was just a, a regular house that they had. 
and they hung Colleen from her wrists in the basement before removing the box, blindfolding her completely, and cutting her clothes off. Now, when she was naked, uh, Cameron whipped her repeatedly while Janice watched. When he was finished, Janice and Cameron had sex directly under Colleen as she was blindfolded and hung up. Ah. Colleen was then forced inside a wooden box that was only slightly larger than a coffin. Her, her arms were tied up and she remained blindfolded, but her legs were loose so she would kick the box constantly so she could try and get out. But Cameron eventually tied her legs up too. And the box was designed to not let in any light or sound. Now, one thing that Cameron also did was put a device that he had made, because this is the thing, he made all these things so it would send electro so it said so it'd send basically shocks of electricity in between her legs. Oh, yeah. Shocks in between her legs. Well then, yeah. you dirty bugger. So over the following months, Cameron would take Colleen out for a daily session of torture. This would include whips, electro electronic shocks, starvation, and the use of a homemade rack. Now, a homemade rack... You ever seen those medieval torture devices where it's a slat of wood and your arms and legs are tied up and someone rolls something and it stretches you? Oh, those stretching machines. Basically that. Oh, those stretching machines are He basically fucking... made his own version of that. Oh, my lord. I, I, I... Have you seen, like, people... And like TV shows and stuff on them. I think it's cartoons. horrible. I've seen cartoons because they have uh, one on Hotel Tra on the, in the movie Hotel Transylvania. Yeah, I've seen like cartoons and maybe in Hobbit Histories once, but it just seems so painful. Because like you, it's not you can you can't do that pain to yourself like stretch. No. You you can stretch your arms and it feels nice if you if you want to stretch after being sitting down too much. But just the thought of being on that and, like, your body actually stretching and you can feel it as if your arm's just going to rip off. Ugh. So, in the first month of her being held captive, she had lost 22 pounds. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow. He, he would only ever give her like a slice of bread like every once in a while and it was always a very small slice of bread and that was kind of it and a lot of the times he had to force feed it to her. I mean, I eat bread, just stale bread. I will eat it and I absolutely love the heel but it's not a supplementary diet and just to get one every every once in a while, how long's that? I think it'd be like... I think, she, I think he'd only do it every like once every couple of days. Bro. Oh, that's how you must, you know, because I hate the feeling of being starved. But like that's and considering the weight that she was to to lose all that that way from having just nothing. 
to eat yeah. is not the way that that weight should have been lost. I'm obviously, she must have looked horrible. Yeah, she was very frail. So in August, Colleen was allowed to have her first bath since she had been captured. In November, she had started doing small chores around the house. Uh, she always worked naked. And uh, Cameron took Colleen aside on the 25th of January, 1978. And he told her that he was a member of an all-powerful secret organisation known as The Company. Illuminati? Well, according to him, The Company would... is Well, The Company owns all these sex slaves and the area that they are living in their neighbors and the surrounding areas are all people who are part of the company and they so a secret that... cult basically yeah basically a secret um sex slave organization is basically what he's trying to say and he said to her that the company would retaliate immediately against them and their and their relatives, meaning hers, if she tried to escape, if she tried to tell anyone who was not a part of the company about the company and what's going on, that they would kill her and kill her family. Now, a lot of people do question how the hell Colleen believed this. There are played, there are organizations out there that like that that exist. So it's not out of the realms of possibility. If someone, if you're being held captive and tortured, and being used as a sex slave, and the guy who's holding holding you hostage explains to you that the reason why you're here is because there is a company full of people who are doing the exact same thing, and they all work together for this thing, and you're basically part of it now, you're gonna believe it. It's a sense of fear. Yeah, exactly. Because you don't if you don't, if risk. you don't know what's going on, and you're in a fucked situation like that, and a person says. You're gonna die if you tell anyone. You're gonna. You're not just gonna be like fucking yeah, okay. I'll tell whoever. That fear is gonna be sunk into you, which obviously it did with her because she's using that to advantage to be like, well, I can keep her act, uh, I keep yeah. her held captive longer by making her more and more scared to do anything. Yeah, because obviously she was allowed out of the box and allowed to do all these different things. He then presented Colleen with a full-fledged slave contract, granting him absolute control over Colleen's body, soul, and any possessions that she might acquire. The contract, she didn't want to sign it at first, but he reminded her she doesn't, then her family died because of the company. The contract was signed by Cameron and Colleen, and also by Janice as their witness. What? Bro, a fucking contract? Hold the fuck up. Yeah. He's kidnapped someone and gone fucking legal shit with a fucking contract. Uh-huh. Bro, he's a cunt. Oh, fuck yeah. That's that's such a cunty thing to do. Cunt count, by the way, guys. But yeah. come on. You capped someone and then go, here's a bit of paper. You must sign. Oh, if you don't sign it and there's fucking small print and shit. Oh, yeah, it, get, it, that's... Gets, it gets worse um, oh you fucking knob so yeah janice signs it as a witness in the document colleen could no longer go by her own name but she had to wear a collar around her neck that had her slave name which was k just the letter k she had to go by k from now she's on. been treated like a dog basically yeah 
which I know turns on some people when people other people that like dogs, but fucking that's so dehumanizing. So from this point onwards, Cameron would rape Colleen during their torture sessions whenever he pleased without Janice knowing, because obviously Janice's rule was like you can't do that. But he, yeah, he would. He obviously would not fucking listen, obviously, because like he like you really think he's got not gonna do something more horrific? He's already doing as many horrific things as he could possibly gather. Of course, he's gonna add another fucking shitty thing on top of it. Now he, uh, now at this point, they had moved at this point. They're no longer in that house that, that they originally started in. They're actually in a mobile home in, in a way, kind of like a caravan kind of home uh, because they couldn't afford to stay in their actual house anymore. And he obviously kept it going with the whole company being like, oh, these people are part of the company too. You can't go to the police because the police are also in on it as well and all this stuff. So they moved to this caravan t- kind of home. And obviously, they've no longer got a basement, so he can't keep Colleen in the basement whenever she wasn't doing her chores or whatever. So he designed a brand new wooden box to keep Colleen in, and he placed it in the framing of his waterbed. So he had a waterbed, which makes him more of a fucking douche. And well, we uh, we figured that out with the uh, other case I did. People who own waterbeds, you know. Widows. So basically, she were, the box was part of the bed frame, so she'd be underneath the waterbed. Now, sometimes he slept with Colleen and his wife in the bed at the same time, and he would force Colleen to perform oral sex on Janice. And yes, it's really w- disgusting. To Janice me. wasn't okay with that? I, no one actually... I think she kind of went along with a lot of things because she was she was as scared as Ka- of Cameron as Colleen was. Yeah, but it, it just, it's so one knows. of the situations where I because there's a couple times I've you know, wondered about situations where someone's forced to engage in a sexual act with someone of maybe the same sex, but they're not that sexuality, how that must make them feel. Yeah. Because it's never a good thing to do that because if you force someone to do something they don't want to do, but on that level it's quite bad because, you know, as someone who is straight, if I was forced to perform some sexual act on another man, I wouldn't be happy about doing that because that's not my sexuality. You know, there's more people who are gay, but in a situation like this one where Janice is having someone who's younger perform acts on her must have been very uncomfortable if she wasn't obviously bisexual. And it would have felt like maybe yucky inside. I don't know, God, but I, yeah, God, no. I, 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 I just no one knows really. They they didn't really. It was kind of the thing that was brought up in court, but never never spoke of again. You get what I mean? Yeah, she probably doesn't want to speak. It's one of those things where I think if it when it happened, she was like, "Don't mention this happened again." Yeah. So now, at this point in 1980, Colleen is allowed outside of the house, and. Cause she's scared of the company she's not gonna run away a lot of people question why she could why she wouldn't run away and she just always said like she's scared about her family and stuff like this so initially janice would drive colleen to bars in red bluff where janice would drink with her and vent her jealous and vent her jealousy by picking up strangers and sleeping with them uh later cameron made colleen beg for money as well in reno red bluff and redding uh, Colleen 
made no attempt to escape as she believed that the company was truly watching her the entire time. Because whenever they were out, whenever she was out with Janice or Cameron, they'd point out random people and be like, yep, they're a member of the company, they're a member of the company, they're watching you. So she was constantly reminded about it. In the summer, Colleen was actually allowed out of the box altogether. So she was never actually in the box at this point, but she was forced to sleep in the bath- on, on the bathroom floor whilst being chained to the toilet. Now, also remember at this point, it's 1980. They've now got, they've now, their child is older. At this point, the child that Janice and Cameron have had together thinks that Colleen is just her babysitter and just the woman and just the lady that helps out around the house. Like that's just kind of how they got the child to believe what they got the child to believe with the with the whole situation. Because there would be times where the girl would with the baby, well, the, sorry, the child would see Colleen having to. There was times where the child caught Colleen, like, asleep in the bath, asleep, like, in the house and stuff like that, and Cameron would have to explain, oh, yeah, she's just staying the night and stuff like that, and Colleen would have to hide the handcuffs that were tied around her that was keeping her in the bathroom because she was chained to the toilet in there. She wasn't just, like, free. So by the end... Yeah, you know, the kids just growing up and just... Kind of, and she's been there, and it's so weird to think that he doesn't know what's going on, but he's experiencing and uh, like in the vicinity of this happening, and he just uh, goes up she, to. She. Oh, sorry. She. Did I say he? Whoops. Yeah. Oh dear. Uh, sorry. The child. I should just sit there because I've just said she. the child because I don't want to say the kid's name. Oh, well, that's that's totally fine. We shouldn't probably say the kid's name. But she is growing up around that and just kind of being force-fed of just like, this is this is what this person is, you know? You know, like, when you grew up and you're just, like, starting to, like, figure out who your family members are because when you start, your brain starts to develop and you're like, oh, it's your uncle. You know, your uncle, blah, blah, blah. And you go, oh, okay, that's my uncle. I can't imagine for her. And it's like, who's that? Or that explains that. She's like, oh, okay, and just eats it up. But in reality... She's being fed a lie, and that person is in need of serious help. Well, yeah. Like, I can't imagine like that kid eventually knowing what was actually going on and how they. Oh, because then all the the thoughts running through his head of like, oh my god, all that time and I didn't know. Holy yeah! Bear in mind, by the time like, Colin was there for seven years. The kid mm-hmm. was literally a newborn when she got where she when she was kidnapped. So the, the kid would have been about seven by the time. Yeah, and kids kids at young ages are smart enough to, you know, figure out some things that are going on. But I'm more mean like when they got older and they thought back to that time and went. Wait, oh wait. yeah, yeah. No, but that's what I mean. And like you know, even at seven, she might have not known what's going on. But like, as we, she got older, obviously would have thought back to the times because you would have maybe still had a couple memories. Of when she was that age and thought, oh god, that person who I believed was this, in reality, wasn't what I thought. Yeah. So by the end of the year, Colleen was actually allowed, was she was actually allowed to phone her family and tell them 
that she was working as a nanny for a nice couple that she found on the road. Bear in mind, she's not seen her family for three years at this point. They've not heard from her in three years, and she and Cameron allows her to phone them to let them know that, oh, wait, hi, I'm alive, actually. Now, in March 1981, Cameron actually drove Colleen to visit her grandmother and parents only on the terms that she introduced him as her boyfriend, Mike. And she would stay overnight at her, at her mother's home and he would pick her up later on. Now, prior to the visit, he told her that he would have to discuss the visit that he said he would give her with the company. So he actually drove her to a building and went inside to meet with the owner. And when he came back out, he said that the owners didn't need to see her and that and that they said that she can go see her family as long as she listens to the rules and that the secretary of the company wishes her good luck and promised her a week with her family but she can't tell them about the company or they would carry out killing them and all that horrific stuff. So when she was with her family, when he came and picked her up the next day after dropping her off, she was a bit fucking shocked and really upset about this. About the fact that she had to say bye to her family again. So it's kind of like a manipulation tactic, in a way. Yeah. Now, when, during this visit, she's obviously introduced um, Cameron as her boyfriend. So her parents are like, oh, this is your new boyfriend. And they even actually take a picture of them, to, of them together looking all like cuddled up and lovey-dovey and stuff like that which makes a lot of shitty people in the courtroom go are you sure this wasn't consensual it looks wait they took photos what well yeah like it was a like you know when your parents are like oh let me take a picture of you two it's basically like that and obviously she had to carry on playing up to this whole like act that he put together otherwise yeah like the company would um come and sort the whole thing out yeah now, when they got back to the house, Cameron had, I don't know, he got really pissed off during the time that Colleen was at her parents' house because of Janice's jealousy. So when they got back to the house, he actually had done a whole like fl- like flip. So he removed all of the improvements that he had given to Colleen in the past year, and she was now back to the same conditions that she had in her early captivity. So back to the torture methods, back to being in the box, the whole thing. There's even a one point where, like, they left her there, like, overnight or so, even longer, in the box while they went on a little family vacation. And she was, like, in panic mode in the box because she never, because she, she can't hear or see anything. She doesn't know what's going on. She's just in this box. Yes. And he would do that a few times. Like, he just completely switched everything back to how it was. In 1983, he had actually finished building a pit under a shed on the property and he had moved Colleen's box down there. And this was the whole, like, he wanted to expand. He wanted more girls, basically. So they moved Colleen down there so he can carry out the torture that he was doing again and also to make more room, in a way. In May 1984, Cameron allowed Colleen to take a part-time job as a motel maid under the alias K Powers. 
and was also to attend church services with Janice. Now, this lasted until August when Cameron told his wife about his intent to get new slaves and keep them in the pit with Colleen. So yeah, she went to work and everything, but obviously he did the whole like, yeah, your boss is also part of the company, so you can't say anything about that either. Ooh. Over the seven years of Colleen being held captive, Janice became increasingly sick of Cameron and jealous of Colleen. So as the years went by, Janice was getting more and more sick of her husband. One night when Janice discovered that Cameron was raping Colleen and had gone against what he said he wouldn't do, she had noticed, she had started to like think a lot more. He'd gone against that and she had started to realise that he was whipping her lighter. He was being less aggressive and less abusive than he was at the beginning, despite him saying that he was going back to his regular habits. And she noticed that Cameron was starting to get too attached to Colleen. And he even wanted, at one point, for Colleen to be his second wife. So he became a bit obsessed with her. Second wife? Yeah. How did you go about doing that? Well, he's not exactly doing things legally here, so probably so probably very illegally. Yeah, but would he have had to have, like... Well, he, well he... he's going by the... Well, while he, Colleen's, like, held captive in this new town, he's going to get, he's going by the alias, um, like, Michael Powers, so he would probably just use that name and try and master up a bunch of shit. I don't know how. And marry her, but yeah. while still being married to... Janice. Oh, that's confusing. Wow. Okay. Now, on one occasion, Janice took their kids, because they've got two kids at this point, and left to stay with her father for the night, telling Cameron that she was going to leave him, calling him a monster before driving away. And Cameron reacted in a way as to abuse Colleen even further. At one point, he had bought a he had brought out a shotgun, and he brought Colleen and the shotgun behind their mobile home. He gave Colleen the gun and told her to pull the trigger. Now she pulled the trigger, but nothing happened because he hadn't loaded it. You basically wanted to give her the whole impression that she could end it all, and that's not going to happen because he has that control over, and he's not going to allow that to happen. Damn. So one day when Colleen was at work at the motel, Janice came by and to visit to pay a visit. And Janice told Colleen that the company did not exist. Kicking the teeth. She told her the truth about everything. And the co- that the company never existed. And it was Cameron's way of making sure that she couldn't leave and could be a full slave to him. Janice had also told her pastor, who had advised Janice that her, that herself and Colleen needed to run away from Cameron and report him to the police. Now Janice took Colleen to a bus station where Colleen rang her father asking for some money to get a bus back home without telling him what had happened over the past seven years like that's definitely a face-to-face conversation 
her dad had sent her more money than she asked just in case she got stuck or anywhere like he just like take all this fucking money get home now before getting on the bus colleen actually rang cameron and she told cameron that she knows that he lied to her the entire time about the company and all the shit that he put her through and that she was leaving and he reacted in a very odd way he didn't get angry he actually broke down in tears over the phone. Damn. It wasn't like a I'm getting caught break, break down in tears. Like I, you've just broken up me breaking down in tears. Yeah. But, you know, you fucked up. You motherfucker. <laughs> Kidnapped someone and tortured them for seven years. Yeah, you've done the fucking horrible, horrible, so... And emotionally manipulated them to another fucking level. You've destroyed someone's life. Yeah, 100%. So even then, Colleen agreed with Janice to not go to the police because Janice said that they need to give Cameron a chance to reform. Now, Janice also burned the slave contract. But then she found a copy of it later on. Now, after three months, Cameron hadn't improved. He just got worse, but towards her. And she then decided to report Cameron to the police after three months. Both for the abduction of Colleen, but also for murder. Murder? So... Less than a year before Cameron and Janice abducted Colleen, they had picked up a 19-year-old hitchhiker called called Maria Spanhaig in California on the 31st of January, 1976. Now, they drove her to an intended destination, uh, but as she was getting out of the car, Cameron grabbed her, forced her back into the car, And she was then brought to the home where she was hung from her wrist in the basement, undressed and tortured for a day. The same as what would eventually happen to Colleen. Now, she was then shot in the stomach with a pellet gun and strangled by Cameron for unknown reasons that he has never actually said why. Oh. Her body was later buried in a shallow grave near Lassen Volcanic National Park and never recovered. Wow, he killed someone. Yeah. Now he, not that. he has said apparently that like Janice said that he apparently did it like his reasoning at the time was because he told her to stop screaming when she was in the box and stuff like that and she just wouldn't. And when he was hanging her up like she wouldn't stop screaming and like calling out for help, so his reaction was to shoot her with a fucking pellet gun. Uh, at, at the time, the police actually sus- uh, suspected that her boyfriend was responsible for her disappearance because the two of them had an argument just before she disappeared. He was informed, by the way, that he is obviously not responsible, but he was investigated like so many times and questioned all the freaking time because of this. Now, since the police were unable to locate her body, Cameron was only charged with the crimes committed against Colleen. Uh, but he has confessed to the murder. 
but because like they can't find a body, it's a bit different. Yeah. Now, uh, Janice had informed Lieutenant Jerry D. Brown uh, of the Red Bluff Police that Cameron had kidnapped, tortured, and murdered Marie Elizabeth Spanhig, who had obviously disappeared in 1976, but obviously nothing had come come from that. Uh, Chris Hatcher, a forensic psychologist and criminal profiler, testified for Cameron's prosecution at the start of the 1985 trial, and Janice testified against her husband in exchange for full immunity. So if you don't know what that means, if they agree to this, which they did, she gets no prison time. Like, at all. Now, Cameron Hooker tried to convince the jury that Colleen had fallen in love with him and stayed out of her own choice. And he claimed that the sex was consensual, but the jury didn't believe him for a single second. Bullshit. And a lot of, like, his defense tried using the excuse of Stockholm Syndrome with Colleen. What? By saying that, no, this was consensual, it started off as rape and it started off as torture and kidnapping, but she fell in love with him, otherwise she wouldn't have left. She, she could have, no, otherwise she could have left. She could have left him, but she didn't. She, but she didn't. She chose to at the last minute because she was jealous and all this other stuff. They basically tried just saying that it was like a really shitty relationship that she got into and she actually really liked him Sorry. and all this stuff. Who the fuck falls for someone after they've been raped and tortured? That's what stock. Well, that's what some victims of Stockholm syndrome are. Wow, people actually fall in love with someone after they've been tortured and raped. Um, I don't really know, but people tend to think that's what Stockholm syndrome is. It's yeah, that's what people tend to associate it with. The better example of Stockholm syndrome that people tend to focus on is um, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, but I mean. It's taking uh, someone kidnapping, but I, I knew it was like taking someone kidnapping, but I didn't know this was in the case of like if they were very, very much. Well, that's what they try. That's what his, um, pro- that's what his lawyers and everything tried to um, make it sound like in court. But luckily, the jury didn't fall for any of that. Oh God, St- <laughs> Stockholm syndrome's a bastard of a thing. Yeah, I mean, not the Blink One Eighty Two song. It's not one of my favorite Blink One Eighty Two songs. But like, it's damn, she that it, some people do actually suffer with this. And the fact that wow, so it's not their fault that they do. It's something that happens. It's a condition. It's it's something that they have yeah, to the, put up with, which is shitty. Yeah, but I can't. I just can't believe that that it can like how physically bad that they can get abused can affect maybe how they f- fall in love with their. I mean, don't no one quote me on that because I don't know anyone that's been through that personally. But that hat, but that's what that's what his lawyers were using. Ah, yeah, yeah. So in the end, Cameron was sentenced to consecutive prison terms totaling 104 years for sexual assault, kidnapping, and using a knife in the process. Originally eligible for parole until 2023. He had his hearing date moved up uh, originally uh, by seven years, and in 2015 he actually had he he applied for parole. Uh, he his request was denied, 
and he apparently so he's uh, is eligible so is um he is apparently eligible for another parole hearing in 2030 so like if you use your parole um hearings at like certain points then you have to wait a certain amount of time to get another one so he has to wait until 2030 to get another parole hearing i mean he'll he'll make it to 2030 maybe now there was a possibility of granting cameron parole in march of 2021 Instead, now, instead of a parole hearing, authorities scheduled a hearing in September 2021 to decide if Cameron could should be classified as a sexually violent predator, which would result in his civil com- uh, commitment to a state hospital. Now, bear in mind, they have actually kept Colleen in the loop of all this as well. Now, this has all been denied. He's not going to a state hospital. He will be in prison. And, his, yeah, his next hearing is until 2030 and basically they keep Colleen up to date and so if they do think about releasing him she is kept 100% aware and she's basically making sure that doesn't happen Janice Hooker didn't receive any prison time and now goes by a brand new identity as does Colleen obviously Colleen suffers from chronic pain in her shoulders and back a direct result of years of confinement. This will be a result of being hung up as well, because obviously your joints will. If anyone's ever like, like let the body dangle for a bit, like your whole spine kind of relaxes and stretches out, and so do all your joints, and becomes a bit more loose. And that's when, so when you, when you're doing that, you get a bit longer. So being held up there for a longer time than advised uh which she 100 was it can cause massive issues in your shoulders and in your back and obviously she was stretched and all this kind of stuff so she has yeah. dealt with life-changing injuries especially when you get older yeah they will start to take a serious effect so she has underwent years of therapy and she actually has a family of her own now um she has children uh, she Aww. has had a number of broken relationships, apparently, but she is very resilient, apparently, and she is actively helping others, and she works for charities with uh, for abused women now. Oh, that's good. So, obviously, this, this case got very popular in pop culture. There is a number of documentaries on this case, and there was also a movie released on this case called The Girl in the Box, and this was released in 2019. I watched the movie... Got a few things to say about it. You know, like how we all, a lot of people on the internet kicked off when the Ted Bundy movie came out with Zac Efron starring him, and they were kind of like, why are you getting someone attracted to play Ted Bundy? Now, the thing is, Zac Efron at least had some form of a resemblance to him, and it kind of worked with the whole theme of it. It made sense of like someone who you'd see as conventionally attractive, no way they could do something so heinous and evil. Now, with this, they got someone conventionally attractive to play Cameron. And I watched the movie and went, what did Cameron actually look like? Does not look like him. Like, he does does in a way, like, the glasses and the moustache, I guess. But at the same time, kind of doesn't. Because the guy in the movie is jacked. Like, the boy has a lot of muscle. And he's walking around wearing like vests and wearing, and his muscles are all like 
pretty much defined, if that makes sense. Like, they got a guy that is conventionally attracted to play this horrific human going out all these kinds of acts and I'm like I didn't agree with it in the slightest because Cameron was not seen as conventionally attractive he wasn't seen in this kind of light it made no sense to make to put an attractive actor playing him at all if anything it just made zero fucking sense and it kind of glorified him in a in a way yeah I get I get when folk kind of look like someone but if if you if you doesn't look like him but if you, if you like glorify the way someone looks by the makeup and everything making them look good, then then it's just like no, because people will start to, because you know we all get attracted to fictional characters, fake characters, or like people portraying characters in films, you know. So making someone look that good, especially in a fucked up situation, is a little bit a bit like nah, because people will people will fall for them. Well, and yeah, then exactly. Like, you'll feel fucked for falling for someone who's betraying a fucked up human being. Like, the guy who plays Cameron is a guy called Zane Holtz. And um, he is a very attractive man. Zane Holtz? Yeah. With a Z? Yeah. I, he's alright looking. No, but you see what I mean. Like he is a fair, he's a fairly. Yeah, in, in my eyes, but yeah, but I could see definitely in some of these shots of him from some of the films, and he's quite built a bit as well. This is what I mean. There's actually a picture of. Um, so you type in Zane Holtz, Cameron Hooker, you'll see exactly what I mean. Um, like the only thing that that's kind of creepy about him is the mustache, because it's. But at the same time, like Cameron had. Yeah, even looking at that, I can see, even behind the glasses, I'm like, what? Yeah, like, he... Whereas nah. Cameron's hair was kind of, like, withering away. It was very thin. It was very... Ugh. It looked greasy as shit. He had a really creepy moustache. He just looked like he didn't take care of himself. He just looked gross on all levels. And they made him conventionally attractive in the movie, which I don't fucking like. Because yeah. it, it glorified it. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's been it's gotten very popular in pop culture and all this kind of stuff since then. By any accounts, Colleen is doing a lot better. Cameron is still in prison and Janice, no one knows. But um, yeah. Actually, that... Oh, okay, we got, an, we got an hour out of this episode. I didn't think we would, personally. But yeah, that is the case of the girl in the box. Ooh, an interest, an interesting one. Because uh, the the thought of someone living in a condition like that for that long is just nuts. But sadly, some people's lives go that way, and they have to be in these fucking atrocious situations that no one should ever have to go through for any period of time. I mean, yeah. Like, it's horrific that Colleen had to suffer through this and then also have the horrific backlash of people saying that she was willing at the end of the day, which she fucking wasn't. (coughs) Cameron Hooker is a complete fucking cunt. Janice Hooker... Cunt, 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 cunt. Janice Hooker is someone that we kind of not, like, established, like, focused on as much. But, um... 
at the end of the okay i get that she was terrified of cameron as well she was also scared she could also say that she was a victim in some kind of capacity but at the same time she allowed everything to happen in full knowledge that the company wasn't real and there was times when she wasn't around the house there was times when she she felt guilty and she could have ran it might it might be easier said than done but she was a willing participant emotions are a bastard and it's like it's a weird one i can't see where like i think i think she got off too light i think immunity shouldn't have been a thing i feel like she should have gone somewhat of prison time for helping nowhere near as long as cameron got 100 percent, 10 percent. she didn't do the things that he no, did but in, 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 involved in a way of some sorts but she was she had involvement and i feel like getting immunity she got off way too easy yeah but yeah that, that's my opinion on janice if anyone has a different opinion then please let me know i'm willing to listen but yeah that's my opinion on her but yeah that is um the case of the girl in the box um i hope you guys enjoyed this episode we're very happy to be back after a yep. week off and we will see you next week on another episode bye bye Bye.